welcome to the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. Hi, hi. Welcome to the podcast. I have so much great stuff for you today. I'm just saying it's great. I'm preemptively calling this a great episode. You're in for a real treat because I have really great stuff for you today. Um, first of all, a little recap from my week. Roy and I went to Chicago for our little mini honeymoon last Monday and Tuesday, and we had the best time. If you follow me on social media, you saw our pictures and our story, and um, it was wonderful. I love Chicago. It's it's like mini New York. And when you live in Minneapolis and you grow up in Minneapolis, which is the teeniest, tiniest little metro area, Chicago is like the big city. But Chicago is an organized, accessible, not scary big city. And so it's, it's magnificent. I love it so much. And Chicago in the summer is magic. The lakefront, they have done such a phenomenal job with making sure when you go there, you can enjoy green space and parks and the lakefront and the river walk. Now it was amazing. So we had a really early flight on frontier, which is the greyhound of the sky, but nonstop. We just brought backpacks because we were there one night. We landed early. They got us there 40 minutes early. My question is always, if you can do that, why don't you always do that? You know, like sometimes they'll like take off late and they'll make up the time in the air. Why did you have a buffer like that? Let's just get everywhere as fast as we can. Anyway, I'm sure that there's a reason for that, you know, so that they can account for delays and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, we got there really early, just immediately felt like a different person. There's something about getting out of your environment and away from everything that is so healthy for your mind and your heart and your soul. So... Even if it's just going to a different town across like the county line, (laughs) getting out of your environment, so good. And especially like we don't leave this little tiny strip of like half a mile very much by choice. We love it. But, you know, totally, totally the same scenery, same places, same people all the time. Again, love it. But leaving that is exhilarating. So and then, of course, the air was chilly which we've been in this massive heat and humidity wave. And so it felt so good to be a little cold, had to wear a hoodie outside. Oh, it was amazing. And normally I'm like, cold can go suck it. I hate cold, but it felt really good to be a little chilly. So we took the L train in to Chicago. We dropped our bags off at the hotel and then we went to breakfast at this wonderful little, um, it's the top rated breakfast place in Chicago. You have to go there if you go. It's called Wildberry. It's right by Millennium Park. They have amazing pancakes, which um, I did have a pancake. But like, if you like pancakes with lots of stuff on them, they specialize in like pancakes covered in you know Jesus sauce. Um, but anyway, we went there for breakfast, and then we went to the Bean, which is the GPS coordinates for my happy place. But you know, it was interesting. I love the Bean. I loved the Bean. I had a great time. It's a totally different experience now. I was standing there like, this is not what it once was. And I couldn't really figure it out, like what it was. Do you know what I think it was? You know what I think it is? This is going to make some of you vomit. (laughs) The bean represented kind of a, like a symbol for me of coming back to myself and kind of connecting with my happy place and... I have a lot of memories there and my life is always very different when I'm there. And I noticed that like last time I was at the Bean, I wasn't married. And I mean, that's a big deal. But I realized, I think this is what it is. I'm happy. I'm whole. I'm so content. I'm newly married. I feel like I have connection to my source of love and companionship and fun and my best friend all the time so it didn't like it literally didn't hit the same and I know vomit gross you're so you're such a dumb little newlywed in love it'll wear off maybe you think that I don't know but I feel like it was connected and I was there with Roy which was wonderful um we were there together last summer when we were kind of newly dating 
and I got to show him Chicago for the first time, which was really fun. But this time we're back as husband and wife and together and just so happy to be with him. So it was great. I'm not saying I didn't love the bean, but it represented something different, which was just kind of a fun thing. I just wanted to be with him. So we kind of made it a little mini honeymoon. In fact, one thing that happens around here is we zoom in and out of the house often. Like he leaves for work, I walk him to work, and then I go train clients. I'm here. Like we're kind of like passing each other a lot um, until our days off. And then on our days off, we tend to sit down and work on our other businesses. He's getting his photography business off the ground here in Miami. We're working on his website, his social media. We're doing all of this stuff on his days off from um, his day job. And so we're still not really having that downtime. And so I'm like, I'm going to set an alarm on my phone for every half hour and we are going to make out or at least just share a kiss every half hour because we just haven't been as intentional about that. And, um, you know, sometimes it, making a game out of it makes it really, really fun. And so it did every half hour. Sometimes we were a little bit late, like if it went off, like while we were on the subway or something, but it was fun to just have a little newlywed game out of it. We had a lot of fun with it. And um, so we just went for a long walk. We walked all the way to Old Town, which is a part of Chicago I really love that I haven't been to in a long time. They have little gift shops and this little chocolate shop that's been there forever. And um, it's kind of fun to go in there and see all the stuff they make and just really fun little eclectic shops and beautiful architecture and a Phil's Coffee which I went in, but then I was like, I'm not hungry. I'm not thirsty. Why? What am I doing? And I left, which was great. Um, but the greatest part about Chicago, one of the best things to do is an architecture boat tour. They offer them every hour, half hour on the river. You can also catch one on the lake at Navy Pier, but they're a phenomenal way to see the city because you get a tour guide who tells you all about the architecture of Chicago, which is just stunning. The greatest thing about the layout of Chicago came from the fact that it was devastated by fire. It burnt down. And the opportunity to build the city up in a grid that made sense, which most cities pop up slowly and they just morph and merge into what they're going to be. But they had the opportunity to lay out a nice grid system along the river. And so it's a beautiful downtown, creates really, really nice um, skyline, and they have prioritized the riverfront. So you get to hear about it and then also be on a boat, which I'm all for being on a boat. This boat had a Keurig machine, and so I got to have coffee on the boat. We went to the nighttime one, which um, I always have a hard time deciding because the daytime one is awesome to be out on a boat in the sunshine. But then the nighttime one, everything is all lit up and it's gorgeous. So we did the 90-minute nighttime uh, boat tour, and it was so fun. It was romantic. It was beautiful and breezy. We got to learn a lot and see a lot and enjoy being on the Chicago River. So we did that. And then the next day we um, had breakfast at another place I love called Yoke. That's a chain in Chicago, but basically it's just a really good breakfast restaurant. This time, I don't know that they were on their best A game. And then for some reason, their fork I had a fork and it just was giant and I couldn't wield it. I, it wouldn't, it wasn't cutting anything. I couldn't pick anything up with it. I was like, right. Are these forks weird? It's just a, a like unusually large, weird fork. And he's like, yes, that those are terrible. It's like, yeah, I've never actually had an opinion about a fork before, but now I do. And then later I was telling someone about it and he's like, yeah, I just agree with you. I thought the fork was fine. Such crime right there, but whatever. We had breakfast and then we rented bikes and we went out on the lakeshore. Again, they do such a phenomenal job keeping the lakeshore accessible. So there's a path that goes from downtown Chicago, south or north. We hopped on it and went north. I don't know how many miles we went. We biked a total of about 25 miles. Uh, we just biked north and talked and biked and we stopped and went on the swing set because that's, you know, the code of Chrissy. When one sees a swing set, one must swing on said swing set. So we swing swung. I still haven't figured out swing. We swung, whatever. We had fun. And then, uh, then we were hungry. So we biked into the city. We crossed Lakeshore Drive into the city, um, to find Roy, a traditional Chicago red hot, which is a hot dog, a natural casing hot dog that they cook on a char grill, like a grill. So it gets charred a little bit, snaps when you bite into it and it's typically served on a steam bun 
a lot of places will do fresh cut french fries, put a handful next to it, and then wrap all of it up, which is what we got. And um, it was, you know, $5 for a double dog with fries. It's a total, you know, it's total garbage for your body. But hey, when in Rome or Chicago. But again, it was another opportunity to sit outside and talk and share some lunch and then hop on the bikes, went past Wrigley Field, which Roy had never seen, um, and just enjoyed the sights of Chicago on bikes. So we decided to bike over to Navy Pier, turn our bikes in there, and then just walk Navy Pier, sit down, and just chill out until our flight. Our flight wasn't until 8 p.m. So we sat down at a little outdoor bar, had some more dinner, and just enjoyed the evening and the just how nice it was so we got home stupid late we got home at like I don't know we walked into our door at 1 30 in the morning so we were exhausted the next morning and it was worth it because it was just such a great weekend or it was well it was our weekend but it was a Monday Tuesday on the calendar but one thing I have talked a lot on everywhere. Anybody who knows me knows how much I love donuts. And if you know me really well, you know that I go to Chicago a lot and I have always gone on a run or a walk from donut shop to donut shop. I have this path that takes me to Stan's Donuts and then to uh, Do Right Chicken and Donuts, then to Fire Cakes Donuts, then to the Donut Vault. And at each of those places, I have a donut or two, at least taste them, have a couple bites, and then run to the next. And I usually figure that's a run of about seven to eight miles. I have burned off the donuts. It's fun. It's I love donuts. Well, I don't eat sugar anymore. I'm free from sugar. I don't think about it. It's not a part of my life. And this is the first time I've been to Chicago since I don't eat sugar. Like, I mean, literally, you guys, I don't eat sugar. Now, I get asked about this sometimes. Say, like, well, what about fruit? Okay, fruit has natural sugar. So I'm talking about added sugar. I'm talking about sweets, treats, desserts. I'm talking about foods that have added sugar more than two grams. So, like, these chicken patties I'm going to talk about, there's two grams of added sugar. That is not what I'm talking about. I don't binge on chicken patties and feel like garbage because there's two grams of sugar in them. Now, if there was 10 grams of sugar, I would say, what are you dumping a bunch of sugar in my chicken for? I can find a better option. But I don't eat sugar. I don't eat sweets. I don't eat treats. I don't eat desserts, period. It's just not something I do anymore. Um, we'll talk more about that another time. But anyway, I was like, what is this going to be like? Because I haven't ever done this. It's always been this giant highlight of the trip. And I have been to Chicago where I was like on 75 hard or something where I wasn't eating sugar at the moment. And it was fine. I didn't have donuts, but I felt bad about it or I missed it. Well, I didn't think about it. We did. Roy said, now, can I have a donut? To which I'm like, yeah, I, I am not telling anyone they cannot have sugar. I did not take everyone in the world off of sugar. I made a choice for my life. And it's kind of like someone who gets sober. They're not going to go around and tell everyone that they can't have alcohol or that they can't smoke cigarettes or whatever, although nobody should smoke cigarettes. So it's about me. You want to go eat donuts, you can eat an entire box of donuts in front of me and I'm not going to touch them. It doesn't appeal to me anymore. That's what total freedom is. It doesn't appeal to me anymore. It's the best. But anyway, I, I did think I'm like, you know, it's not that I can't have it. It's not that I'm going to feel like I can't control myself. What would happen if I did have a donut? And then I just realized like, well, I don't want a donut. Just like I don't want, you know, there's a couple foods on this planet I don't like, like beets. I don't want a beet. I don't want a donut. I don't want a donut any more than I want to eat a beet. Now that's a miracle. That's something I never thought I would say. I thought I would forever have to have self-control and just, you know, be firm on my rule that I don't eat donuts except at a donut party, which was my rule for a long time, which was fine. But I have a no desire. I have a no desire. The desire to eat donuts is gone. The desire to eat junk food is gone. Roy eats a lot of junk food because we're trying to make sure he gets calories because he's got one of those metabolisms and he doesn't really care about food. And so he eats... Or he was eating Oreos next to me in bed last night. He ate ice cream next to me in bed. It doesn't appeal to me. And so it was magical. It was wonderful. Um, what I have to be careful of, though, is I'm working on getting to that same place with fried foods, um, like French fries. And uh, what else is fried? I guess French fries is really the only thing. Because that's something that I eat occasionally, uh, when, like 
Roy will order dinner. If he orders fries, my rule is I can eat his fries. I never order fries for myself because I don't need to eat that many fries. I feel like garbage. So now I'm like, you know, whenever I eat too many fries, I feel like garbage. It's the same effect as if I ate too much candy or junk food. So I am using the same practice for fried foods and foods like that as I did with sweets, treats, and desserts. And it takes a little bit of time, a little bit of intentional effort, and I'm excited to just claim that I am free from that. And that's amazing. Um, But anyway, it was wonderful to go to Chicago, make memories, and enjoy myself for being there and for the memories I was making and not because of donuts or food for that matter. It was fun to, you know, show Roy a hot dog and show show Roy deep dish pizza and that stuff because it's Chicago. Um, But to not be fixated on it or to not be like, what am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? What are we going to eat? You know, food is fuel. It's really not supposed to be anything else. It's good to get foods that taste good. So when we do fuel, we enjoy it. But too much focus in my 45 years has been on what is the food going to be? What's it going to be like? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And I'm so happy to be living for reasons other than flavors and tastes. It's, it's amazing. It's exhilarating actually. So anyway, so that was Chicago. It was fabulous. And I can't wait to go back. I probably won't go back until next year because it's just like, you know, summertime. So, um, other than that, um, this week just flew by. It's weird when Wednesday is your Monday. We had a great week at boot camp. And um, yesterday, we ha- I had such an emotional moment. I was playing some, I f- went on Spotify and found like Saturday workout motivational playlist. You know, really unique. I'm super original. And I just turned that on as people were coming in to the beach. And one of the songs that came on was Alicia Keys, This Girl Is On Fire. I don't know if you've heard that song, but you should listen to that song. But it brought back this memory. When that song first came out, I loved it so much. And I had just moved into my first townhouse after my, my divorce from my first husband. And that was, a, that was a terrifying thing for me. I went from my parents to my husband. And then this was my first time living alone and just having to be on my own. And it was terrifying. And I spent a lot of time with anxiety moving into that townhouse. Plus the townhouse was fine, but it wasn't very nice, nice. And I had to move out of a very nice house, brand new house into this thing. And so there was a lot, there's a lot of, a lot of learning and growing that happened there. But I had to get my first job, like full-time job because I hadn't been working full-time and I had to support myself. There was just all of these firsts. And I felt like a kid and very inadequate And I was dating my boyfriend, Kat, at the time. And I didn't end up staying with Kat for many reasons. But I'm so grateful for that relationship because he taught me how to connect to my power. He's one of the first people in my life who looked at me with total confusion when I doubted myself. It's like, but you're a rock star. Why are you worried about that? you're Kristen, you're phenomenal. And I'd be like, what? Like that was opposite what I'd heard my whole marriage. And then of course in, you know, cult church with brainwashing, I never had anybody look at me and say, of course you can, you're a mother effing rock star. And that's what Kat did for me. And so it was during that period of time that I was really learning how to motivate myself, encourage myself, find a mantra and grab it. And so I wrote on my mirror in red lipstick, this girl is on fire. And when I'd get out the shower and the shower curtain, that would be in my face. And I would think about it. And in the mornings, getting ready for work, you know, I was stressed or tired or whatever. I'd see that and it would, it would light something inside of me. And I remember I had gotten this job as a temp, an accounts payable temp at a law firm downtown. It paid pretty well. It was great. It was a great first job. But I mean, I was eating or I was living hand to mouth. I had just enough money to pay my rent, just enough money. I mean, I was counting pennies and I needed something better. Um, And they had decided to post an accounting manager position um, that would report to the controller. And I was just a temp through Robert Half as the accounts payable clerk or whatever. But my boss had said, I want you to apply for this because you're qualified. 
And I thought, well, this is a county manager. I've never been a manager. I can't be a manager. I'm a temp. I've been temping for years. And I had had a job right out of college. Um, I was in a, I was a cost accounting something. I was a cost accountant. I don't know what my title was, but I was just, I wasn't a manager. And then I had quit that and I was temping. So when my son was in school, nine months of the year, I took long-term temp jobs, typically as accounts payable in law firms. That's kind of became my niche. And then I would take the summer off because, um, my husband didn't want us to have babysitters or, you know, later on we ended up getting one, but I would stay at home with our son. And then when he went back to school, I'd get another long-term temp job. So I was used to working to a degree, but like I never would have thought that I could apply for a manager position. I never thought of myself as anything but a measly human. My self-esteem was trash. And so when my boss, David Allen, said, you should go for this, I thought, okay. But it was terrifying. And so what I started doing when I would, that shower curtain open and I would see this girl is on fire, I would start to rehearse introducing myself. Hi, I'm Kristen. I'm an accounting manager. What do you do? I'm an accounting manager. (laughs) Yeah, I work for Best and Flanagan. I'm an accounting manager. And I just started to wear it. And I started to dress nicer. And I started to behave before I had that job like an accounting manager. And I got that job. And I was the accounting manager. Now, I don't really know what I ended up managing necessarily. Um, But my boss, David Allen, he spoke that into my life, like, you should go for this. Then he hired me for it. Then he taught me so much. He mentored me. He grew me. And I stepped into every single bit of it because I, through that job, I found out I was smart. I really did know my stuff. Things he gave me, I executed. Now, the job had some weird things because the controller I reported to as well was batshit crazy. Um, <laughs> that was one of the craziest experiences ever. You guys, our county department was, let's see, one, two, three, three of us in this big room, three cubicles. And then in that room was a door that led to one office where our controller was. She was insane. She was certifiably insane. Like, I'm not making that up. She was insane. And we were behind closed doors with her behind a closed door. We couldn't get away. You couldn't have a conversation. It was awful. (laughs) But anyway, I digress. She was insane. Um, It was really good training for my um, tenacity and long-sufferingness. But anyway, my point with all of this is this girl is on fire. That phrase propelled me into the next step in my life propelled me into a situation where I learned how to rehearse and visualize and put my my brain into something before my body experienced it. Before I had that job, in my head, I was an accounting manager. And then when I had that job, I showed up and I learned everything that I could. And then when I wanted to get out of there because of the crazy ass controller who was ruining all of our lives, and I called a recruiter, she said, oh, I have a controller position that's open in another law firm. And I was like, controller? I can't be a controller. And my friend said, yes, you can. Of course you can. Go for the new experience. And so I did the same thing. Hmm, I'm Kristen. I'm a controller at law firm. I started rehearsing it. I started visualizing it. I went for the job. I got the job. And then I spent the next uh, seven years in the greatest job of my life. It all leads back to this girl is on fire. Grabbing that mantra and putting it on and letting it fuel me every single morning. And it's like a snowball. Your negative thoughts are like a snowball. They send you into the gutter, quick, quick, quick. Your positive thoughts are like a snowball. They send you into greatness. They send you into your power. They send you into the places you want to go. But you have to choose to grab it. So I cannot recommend more highly than to cover your house, cover your mirrors, everywhere you look with mantras of power. I teach this in my group programs. If you've been in my group programs, you know. Sticky notes, put them in your car, put them on the dashboard, right on your mirror in lipstick. It wasn't until I rented my place out for the first time that I took all the lipstick off the mirror here, but put it where you see it. Who else's job is it to encourage you to go for everything in life? Who is, whose job is it except yours to, to teach yourself how to be what you want to be? Grab a mantra. That mantra changed my life. And guess what? I had no idea how great it was going to be. I started bawling on the beach because I looked around. I saw these amazing people I love so much rolling in to take a class from me, a fitness instructor. I look over. I see my beautiful, amazing, perfect husband 
on the beach next to me. The breeze is on my skin. The ocean is behind me. I'm in a fit, healthy body that I didn't have when this girl was on fire back then. And I was like, that girl in that townhouse who was grabbing this mantra with faith had no idea how good it was going to get. I could never have imagined how good it was going to get. I was just imagining what was next, what could be. What's the next step? And that was amazing. And then what's the next step? And that was amazing. And that's how you do it. I didn't know I was doing it. I didn't know that was, I didn't follow the formula. I didn't buy a book. To have the greatest life possible, start by writing on your mirror and then go for one promotion. And then eventually, no, I wasn't following a formula. I was following the song of my heart. I was following the cry of my soul saying, I want more. I, I'm in here. What can we go get? Yes, you are a mother effing rock star. Of course you can. You're on fire. Go get what you want. Go try it on. Walk in it. Be it. Be grateful for it before you have it. That's the formula. I'm living it now. And now I have so many goals, so many dreams, so many plans that I'm working on. And I don't see a lot of things coming to fruition right away. I have to have a lot of faith. But that moment on the beach with that song was a reminder. You have no idea, Kristen, how good it's going to get. Look how good it is now. And you're applying that same formula. Keep walking in it. Be grateful for it now. You don't see it all in linear time yet, but you can be grateful now for all of the greatness to come. You got to show up. You got to rehearse being all those things that you want to be. You have to believe it's possible and that you're capable. And if you don't believe it for a second, believe the other people who say it to you. Believe someone else till you believe it for yourself. I believed my boyfriend, Kat, when I didn't feel it. I believed that uh, boss, David Allen, thank God. I believed him when he said I could. I believed Shannon Dane when she said I had value. If I hadn't chosen to believe those people and just continued to believe what I'd been told from people that were lying, people that were wrong, the church that was wrong, I would, God knows where I'd be. Choose to believe the people who see greatness in you. Choose to believe them until you believe it yourself and then wear it. Get up in the morning. Tell yourself, this girl is on fire and I am fill in the blank. It's the most empowering way to live. It brings joy now, whether you get, I don't have a million dollars in my bank account right now, but I work really hard every single day to pull my heart and soul into a state of gratitude for a million dollars. Because someday I'm going to open my bank account. I'm going to log into Bank of America. My balance is going to be a million dollars. I mean, I probably shouldn't. I should probably invest it at that point. It's not good to sit it in checking. But you know what I mean? I'm so grateful for that. I mean, how amazing that a little girl from Minnesota who was homeschooled, very ignorant and naive, really, really stuck in all of her BS, who believes she was nothing, has a million dollars. <laughs> That's freaking amazing. Yeah, I'm grateful for it today. It's not in my bank account right now, but I'm as happy now without it in my bank account as if it was there, which means it's on its way. All that to say, have faith. The things that you want are coming. Be grateful for them now and be the person to tell you every morning on your mirror, on your cupboards, wherever. Tell yourself what you want to believe. Fill your house with mantras. And believe me, if you don't have anybody else to cheer you on, believe me, you're a rock star. You can do everything that you set your mind to do. You are perfect as you are and you have value because you exist. You have to do anything to be lovable and valuable. So believe me. So I have two topics today. One of them I'm just going to do kind of quickly. I'm going to give you some protein ideas. It's one of the most common questions I get. And in my Facebook group, I have a free Facebook group called The Kristen Experience. You can just join it. I have a weekly live in there and talk about goal setting and accountability. And I usually have a little topic. And last week, I just showed some of my favorite protein items that I've been eating lately. So protein, number one thing in your diet, period. The end. Stop arguing. Stop trying to find reasons to disbelieve that and say, well, I've read something that says that too much protein is too bad for you. Okay. Are you eating too much protein? Is that a problem for you? 
If it's not a problem for you, shut up and start eating protein. Thank you, bye. Okay. All right, so I found these at Costco. Now, I don't know if these are everywhere because I don't live everywhere. I live right here, but it's uh, they're chicken patties. So they're organic. They are really clean as far as there's not a lot of garbage in them or there's no garbage in them. They're all um, ingredients you can recognize and read. And I am really tired of chicken breast. I, I have to, it takes a lot for me to just eat chicken breast because um, I ate too much of it on bodybuilding prep. But I still really, I like chicken because it's high in protein and I like a variety in my diet. But the brand is Amy Lou and they're frozen chicken patties. They're like a burger, but they're caramelized onion and chicken patties. They have such good flavor. There's all kinds of spices. There's some little diced red pepper, green pepper, caramelized onions, and then aged white cheddar is kind of um, in it. So they're a formed patty. It looks like a burger. So it doesn't look like a chicken breast that you can cut and it's like the chicken breast. It's ground up. It's, you know, made into like a patty. They're, I don't remember how much they cost because I use Instacart and I don't even look. But one of these patties is 150 calories and there's 22 grams of protein in one and seven and a half grams of fat. So there's some, there's some fat in there, which is good. I like to eat a little bit of fat, obviously with my food. Um, one note here, I get a lot of people that say like, you shouldn't be eating so much lean meat, lean protein. In fact, my good friend, Brandy, she is um, a primal health coach, I think it is. And I follow her and we, we agree on a lot of things and we diverge really sharply on certain things. And, um, I don't think she listens to my podcast, so whatever, but, um, there, there is, a, there are a lot of people who talk about eating more fat than protein, which is fine. Fat is good for you. Um, I'm not against eating fatty cuts of meat, but my preference is I like to separate my macros when I eat. So if I eat a meal, I'm going to eat fat in the meal, but I'd rather eat it separately. So I'd rather eat lean chicken and dip it in guacamole than to eat fatty chicken. You know what I mean? So that's just me. And if you like more fatty cuts of meat, that's fine. But then you can't really add a side of avocado to it because you're going to be eating too much fat, really, to be able to get enough protein in. So I just want to clarify that. But these Amy Lou caramelized onion chicken patties, I love them. I love them. They're fully cooked. And so I just put two of them in the microwave, cut them up, and I eat them with a fork. And I can eat them quickly. It's 300 calories, satisfies me, especially if I don't have much time to make something um, in the middle of the day. And um, I get, if I eat two of them, I get 44 grams of protein. Do not tell me you don't have time to get protein. And I'm so tired of hearing it. I will help you. That's why I'm doing this. That's why I take time out of my Sunday to sit here on my bed for three cents a play to make notes and read it to you to tell you how to get your protein in because I care. I'm doing this for you. So please repay me by throwing out your excuse machine that tells you you can't get protein in. I'm proving to you you can. Okay, I'm sassy today. What's going on? All right, also, cottage cheese. Now, some people don't eat dairy. I didn't eat dairy for a long time. Sometimes dairy and I have, like, we don't get along. But since I pulled protein shake dairy, like whey protein, protein shakes out of my diet, other dairy doesn't bother me. I'm sure there's a good reason for that. I don't know. I didn't study it. I'm not a person that studies that stuff. I just know my body. And cottage cheese and Greek yogurt do not upset me or my body, from what I can tell. And by upset me, I don't get diarrhea. I don't get inflammation. When I eat a protein shake that's got whey protein in it now, my belly bloats like I'm pregnant every time. It's so uncomfortable, so I'm done. I don't do protein shakes. I don't do whey protein anymore. I love protein shakes by Active Stacks. Active Stacks is beef protein. So it's collagen in beef. It doesn't taste like beef. Um, they have a vanilla and a chocolate. The chocolate is stevia, cocoa, and beef protein. That's it. It's the cleanest brand I've found. The best tasting brand I have found too, which is crazy. They also have a vanilla flavor where they did add a little bit of sugar. So I don't remember how much is in there. I'm not a big fan of the vanilla one. It doesn't taste bad, but anyway, um, I don't make anything. I'm not an affiliate for them, but Active Stacks. It's a little more expensive than whey protein because it's more expensive what's in it. But 
I eat those when I have a protein shake now, which again is not very often anymore. Um, but I, all that to say, if you eat dairy, here we go. Good culture. Good culture brand. I don't understand what they do differently, but cottage cheese from like Daisy at Costco, which is cheaper, um, is like a one on the scale of like taste, one to five. One being fine. Good culture is a 7,222. It's so good, I want to eat the whole container. It's delicious. I forgot to pull up the protein in it, but they have a 2% and a 4% fat. So if, if you, I prefer eating the full fat. I like full fat everything if possible um, with dairy, except, well, Greek yogurt, I shouldn't say that. I like non-fat Greek yogurt because again, I like to eat my fat a different way, but it is so good. They have it at Target. They have it at a lot of grocery stores, but good culture cottage cheese, so good. If you don't like cottage cheese, okay, but you probably haven't tried good culture brand. Now, if you don't like this, okay, fine. You don't like cottage cheese, but it's so good. It's, I don't understand it. I don't understand why it's so good. I actually bought four brands one time to try them all next to each other. I really like, there's a brand here in Florida called Friendship Dairy. I've never seen it anywhere else, but they have a whipped um, variety. So it's like really smooth. I really like that, but I ate it next to Good Culture and it was like, ew, I don't like that at all. Not after I've had this. So good. So high protein, low fat for cottage cheese. That's really great for on the go. I'll grab my container and I will eat a cup of cottage cheese. And then when I'm on the go and that will make me stop being hungry and it'll tide me over until I can sit and have a, like a bigger meal. So if you're like on the go, cottage cheese, chicken patties. And then what I'm going to talk about next, Oikos Greek yogurt. Oikos is my new favorite. I used to like, um, Chobani zero sugar, but then I realized they had a lot of artificial sweeteners in there. I didn't like it. Um, Oikos, I'm not sure what they use to sweeten it, but it's not as egregious. I read it. I don't remember. I'm sorry. I should have had a, a thing of it sitting here. In fact, I should just go get one right now while I'm podcasting. That's the beauty of podcasting with your phone. I can just go open my refrigerator and get one. Although I think it's, I got it at Costco. So I got it at Costco, but one little container, um, zero added sugar, zero artificial sweeteners, 0% fat, 15 grams of protein for this little cup of yogurt. It's like, you know, the little portable one, five ounces, 150 grams. So if you eat two of these yogurts and two chicken patties, that's 74 grams of protein. Who can't get their protein in? Not you. You got it covered. (laughs) All right. I'm looking at the good culture container too. So half a cup is 80 calories. So I usually eat a cup at a time. So 160 calories. And that is 28 grams of protein. So if I have one cup of this cottage cheese, that's 28 grams. If I have two of my chicken patties, that's another 44 grams. And if I end up in the day having two Greek yogurts, now that's just eating three products in one day. I got my protein in spades, all right? So if you wanna hit your protein numbers, you can hit your protein numbers. I don't wanna hear any excuses. I will help you. I will keep doing this. You message me, send me an email. I have tons of lists of hacks and ideas join my free Facebook group. I post them in there. There's more where that came from. The problem is not that you're stupid and you're a terrible person. The problem is, is that this country is a carb focused country on nutrition because carbs are cheap. Processed food is cheap and your government is run by people who make money off of companies that sell you garbage processed garbage as food. And then the drugs to cure you from the things that happen to your body because you eat it. So Be smarter than all those old white-haired, rich, white men that are running the country and keeping you sick. I am so sorry if that offends you, but that's what's happening. We have to be smarter than the system we live in. We have to find real whole foods, give ourselves protein and fat from real whole foods, and notice how we feel good. Notice how our bodies go, ah, thank you. Notice how you don't need to take as many drugs when you're not eating bread, Rice Krispie Treats, um, pasta with sugar-filled pasta sauce, Pop-Tarts, granola bars that say that they're all natural, stopping at drive-thrus for the $5.99 meal deal, you know, drinking orange juice for breakfast with our special K-Bar. All of this stuff is designed to give you quick calories for very little money. For what? 
not nutrition, not health. I just gave you three ideas of ways you can put real food in your body that doesn't make you sick, that doesn't support uh, processed chemicals. All right, I'm feisty. I'm going to calm down now. I get really mad because um, I want all of us to live forever and I want us all to live our best life and I want all of us to feel good. And it's really hard to fight the messaging out there. And it's hard to convince all of you guys to spend $9 a pound on your food um, when you can go get it for a dollar a pound at the dollar menu, you know? (laughs) Anyway, all right. So there's some protein ideas for you. You're welcome. If you want more, send me an email. Join my free Facebook group. I don't charge you to tell you what my favorite proteins are. I'm happy to share my fitness pal diary with you. You can see what I eat. I eat lots of protein and I don't take naps anymore. And I feel really good and I feel like my body looks good and I have muscles and I'm right here to help you do that too. All right, moving on, I'm going to calm down. I'm going to talk about emotional eating. So emotional eating, uh, it's so it's so common and it's, I mean, hello. I Hello, my name is Kristen and I identify as an emotional eater. Um, it's, it's just, again, it ties into what I just talked about, about processed foods and things, because there are so many foods that are designed to work on your dopamine receptors and to make you feel good in your brain, in your brain chemistry and in your emotional part of your body. Um, that has nothing to do with what you just ate as far as nutrition. So emotional eating often it's hard to shake it because it's a, it's a deep groove in our brain. So they've done these studies with rats where they've hooked up electrodes to their brain. These rats volunteered for this. They weren't, you know, they volunteered. Um, they put electrodes in their little brains and they tied those electrodes to a lever so that when the rats would push the lever, um, this little dopamine receptor in their brain, the same one that's hit when we eat certain foods, would get hit. So these rats would go push the button for that little response and they would push it and push it and push it and push it and push it to the point of total exhaustion. They would do this with, um, with boy, I was almost said men and women, boy and girl rats and like try to tantalize these rats with, you know, with sex, with the opposite sex, with other foods, with food in general, with water, Nothing would keep them from pushing the button. Nothing. They wanted it more than everything else. That is the same part of our brain that gets lit up when we eat foods in certain quantities and we eat certain chemicals. So all of that to say, you're not a weak, terrible, bad person that it's impossible to eat one Lay's potato chip. (laughs) They even say it in their marketing. They're egging you on. So... Emotional eating is tough because when we're sad, we can go get a hit of dopamine in the bag of Oreos. We can go feel better um, by grabbing some Doritos with nacho cheese or ice cream with, you know, when I was at the throes of my eating, I would eat an entire half gallon of um, pina colada ice cream or strawberry ice cream. I didn't use a spoon. I would get golden Oreos and scoop up a big thing of ice cream onto the Oreo and eat it. And I would eat an entire package of golden Oreos with an entire half gallon of ice cream. And then I'd feel very sick. And then when I didn't feel sick anymore, I would eat some more. But it's effective because those first hits, the food hits those dopamine sites, dopamine receptors. So it's hard when we have coped with our feelings with food. So what are some of the reasons why we emotionally eat? Sadness. It's pretty obvious. Um, now, when we're babies, when we cry, the only thing that really soothes us, a lot of times like when we're, when we're first babies, we need to feel closeness because we're out of the womb. All of a sudden, we're cold and scared and separate. And then we're hungry all the time. And so how are we soothed when we cry when we're a baby? We're fed. We're fed breast milk or formula. And the ratio of carbs and fat, two to one. And so that ratio of carbs and fat is what we're used to from the time that we're born to soothe us. 
when we cry. And then as we get older, a lot of times we cry even if we're not sad. We cry because of some other reason um, or we're not hungry, but we still get fed milk. Like our moms, I mean, how many of you have had kids? Your baby cries, you shove a bottle in their face. You don't care if they're hungry or whatever. You just want them to stop crying. And so you do that. And so there's um, immediately a tie to a 2-1 fat carb ratio. So I'm just going to go in Roy's side table here and get the Oreo package. Just take a look at this. So Oreos, three cookies. There is 25 carbohydrates and nine grams of fat. So that is a, I guess it's not exactly 2-1, but It's definitely more than twice the carbohydrates to fat. What else does he have in here? Chex Mix. This is fun. Cheddar Chex Mix. Oh, to have Roy's metabolism and disregard for overall health. Um, (laughs) All right, this one. This one has 12 carbs to four fat, so two to one. So popcorn, cookies. What are the lemon or Is that lemon Oreos? Man, three to one carbs and fat on the Oreos. Anyway, I just proved the point. So these, these foods that we grab a lot of times when we're emotional, when we're sad, they have that same ratio. So again, we're not bad, stupid, weak. It's because it's a chemical response. Um, they're designed that way. Now, who do you think knows this information other than just me, your little nutritionist podcaster? The people who make Oreos. They have teams of psychologists on staff at all of these companies, Frito-Lay and Nabisco and all of these companies, why? They employ psychologists to do studies to find out how do they get you to eat more of their crap? Why? Because they want to sell more of their crap to you. So they make more money. And then they cheapen the ingredients so they make more money. Do you think that they care if you get sick or that you need to be on medication, or that it's ruining your body, or that your body doesn't know how to digest these chemicals because they're not really food. Let's see what the label says here. I'm beating a dead horse, but I want you to feel real bad about eating Oreos for the rest of your life. Your body does not know what soy lecithin is, thiamine monotrate, they certainly doesn't know what artificial flavor is. They don't even know because they can't tell us just artificial flavor. Um, so these people are paid money to find out how to get you to eat more Oreos in one sitting. Also how to get you to buy the Oreos. How do we make the package appealing? Where do we put it in the store? What time of day do we play the commercials? Um... How can we get the supermarket to do a BOGO on this so that people will get two packages instead of one? That's all designed to get you to buy the product and eat the product. So all of this stuff means that you are a pawn in a game. So emotionally eating, eating when you're sad, choosing the wrong foods. This is what we have to contend with when we say, I don't like the way I feel. I don't like the way my body looks. Why am I doing this? Well, part of the reason is it's been programmed in use since birth, innocently, and then monopolized on by big food companies and their marketing people and their evil psychologists. So when you're sad, big, big, number one, emotional eating reason. It's a coping skill. Number two, when you're bored. Now, this is a different one. The, um, the marketing companies and food companies, they have their special um, works for this too. But what happens a lot of times when we're bored is we just simply want some stimulation. And one of the best ways to stimulate your brain is by tickling your taste buds. So this readily available food everywhere we have, it's like, oh, it's fun. Let's just have some Oreos and milk. And then um, companies that market this stuff, they tie it. They tie their marketing to you being bored. Um, you know, waiting in carpool lane. You've got the mother with the Magnum bar. You've got um, the family at the ball game sharing the Cracker Jacks. You've got all these points of time where your hands are idle and maybe your brain isn't super stimulated and they've got a suggestion for something you can eat 
to pass the time. So when you're bored, so to break up your work day, a lot of times I still find myself this doing this. I finish one task and instead of going right on to the next one, I'm like, hmm, I should just get up and see what's in the refrigerator. At the office, that would be, I'm going to go to the break room and refill my coffee. Oh, what's in the snack jar? Oh, what's in the candy dish? It's just a way to avoid work, avoid having to focus and concentrate. It's just a little bit of fun. Let's throw a little fun into our workday. Food was not supposed to be fun. Food is supposed to fuel us. Food products are what we go for when we're boredom eating, typically, right? It's not like you're like, I'm bored. I think that I will um, slice up a tomato and eat it with some chicken breast right now. Usually, if you don't want broccoli, you're not actually hungry for food. That's a good check. So boredom eating, really, really common Um, a transition from task to task, I often encourage people to come up with a different transition between things in their life than eating, to not have food involved in transition times. So when you're taking a break from work, that's not time to eat. Um, When you're getting in and out of the car, I used to always grab something out of the snack jar at my office and eat it in the car. That was a transition time for me. I had to stop eating in the car. Um, But work avoidance, really, really huge. So sometimes it's helpful to say I don't eat during work hours except my lunch break. But boredom eating. Um, Number three, stress. This one is very common. We get stressed. We get agitated. We have anxiety. A lot of times we have a nervous energy when we're stressed out. And chewing helps. Eating something helps. The problem is, is stress eating is one of the most common situations where you don't remember what you ate. So it's the most mindless And a lot of times we'll do it while we're talking. So you're on a stressful phone call. I'm this way. If I get on a stressful phone call, I go in the kitchen and I eat. It's really weird. I have to eat while I'm on the phone if I'm having a difficult conversation. It's a stress response. I don't know where it came from, but I know it's there. So stress eating, really, really uh, common emotional eating. Um, And then transfer addiction. This one, this one is tough because the number one issue with people who find sobriety from alcohol is weight gain because they transfer addict from alcohol to sugar. Now, one could say, well, hey, that's much better. One is completely and totally destructive, can ruin your life if you're an alcoholic. The other one is just sugar. Yeah, it's not healthy, but it's much better. And as a woman who had to divorce an alcoholic, I would say, yeah, I would have been much happier if he had gone on a you know Oreo kick uh, than be an alcoholic. It, it, it definitely is safer, but it doesn't change the fact that it's emotional eating and it's not serving and it creates problems. So, um, and it could be not just alcohol, but a lot of people who stop smoking turn to candy instead of that, um, that oral fixation from smoking. Um, some people who have weight loss surgery and can't eat, um, transfer addict to smoking, or to shopping, or gambling, or relationships. Um, so a lot of times, it's a transfer addiction to food. Um, that's a whole other topic we could talk about. But um, So these are all the reasons we emotionally eat. We'll say, well, what do we do about it? So really, there's solutions for all these things that can be implemented. But the most important thing is to, number one, notice what is happening. You can't fix a pattern until you notice the pattern. So whatever your emotional eating um, situation is of these things that I talked about, to be able to interrupt the pattern, the instinct, the compulsion. So if you're sitting at your desk, all of a sudden you get called into a stressful situation and you find yourself reaching for the junk food or um, ordering in takeout when you had a perfectly good lunch. The most important thing is to notice what's, what's happening. What is going on? A couple things can be happening. One can be, yeah, I'm stressed out. This food is really going to help me. Another thing that happens is there can be an imperceptible and often hard to actually admit to excitement. Like, yay, I got something stressful going on. I have an excuse to go eat things that I normally wouldn't eat. I actually had that happen when I was in my second marriage and when my husband would be gone and he would be on a binge And it was terrifying. I didn't know if he was going to be alive or dead. He would be disappeared. Initially, there was this excitement that I didn't even really realize was there. Like, oh, well, he did this. I guess I can just go eat whatever I want because if he's going to do that, well, 
screw that. I'm not going to take care of myself either. And no one would blame me. And I would binge on junk food. I would order and take out and be like, whatever, I guess I'm just going to sit here and eat candy. And it wasn't until, I don't know, like relapse four or five, where I remember looking in the mirror and being like, you know what? Binge eating crap isn't going to help this. I will be heavier, more lethargical, more lethargic and feel like crap. And my husband will still be missing. It's not going to help anything. I refuse to let his addiction bring me down into addiction. When that that trigger in my head happened, it solved that for me. But it, it didn't happen for a while into the process. And I didn't realize how much I actually celebrated that excuse to be able to binge eat on garbage. So really notice what is happening. Are you bored? Are you stressed? What is the trigger? And then ask yourself, is food going to fix this? If you're stressed out, is food going to help you? Will you be more stressed when you get to the end of the day and say, I had all these things happen. They were so awful. Plus now I feel like garbage in my body because I ate 2000 extra calories of chicken wings and, uh, you know, ho-hos. When we think we're coping with stress by eating, we are adding to our long-term stress because now we have added something to be upset about because you don't want to do that. If it's an emotional eating problem, it's something that you don't want to keep doing. So if you're sad, is eating going to make you happy? Is it going to address what you're sad about? This one is hard because again, it's just a coping skill and we say, I'll deal with that later. Anything to avoid feeling so sad. Anything to cheer me up. And that's where I say, yes, anything but something that's going to make you sadder. You will have to contend with the consequences of what you do when you emotionally eat eventually. We have to notice and we have to ask, is the food going to fix what's going on? And that's when you can say, all right, I'm going to break this pattern. Now that I've noticed it, I know food isn't going to fix it. What will fix it? Because it's not that we're not allowed to self-soothe. It's that we have to find different ways to self-soothe. When we're sad, we have to find a healthy way to deal with our emotions. That can be hard if we've never done it before. That can feel like an impossibility if we've never been taught how. But guess what? There are so many ways to learn how. There are people in your life or people you can pull in for support when you're sad. It requires intentional interruption of that pattern. I have a really hard time going to my husband. My husband's amazing. He's perfect. But when I am sad, my instinct is still to go hide and eat because it's just easier. It's reliable. It's safe. It's for sure going to numb me out. I have a person right here that would happily listen to me, comfort me. I'm getting better at turning to him and to my friends when I'm sad. But I have to notice and I have to be willing to do something different every single time in order to break that habit of soothing my sadness with food. You don't have to do it perfectly forever. You don't have to do it perfectly every single time, but the more you can be aware of what am I really feeling? Is food really going to help me feel happier? What else can I do to soothe this emotion? Boredom eating. I'm bored. Am I hungry? I had to ask this question today. I had nobody come to a class at the Carol and I had 45 minutes to kill. I'm like, oh, I'll go across the street and get some lunch. Uh, I'm actually not hungry. I had a big breakfast. Uh, Well, that's all right. I can just eat early. No, I'm not hungry. I'm bored. Well, I have work to do. I don't want to do work. Well, there's got to be something that you can do during this time that isn't work because you don't want to work. Fine. But you don't need to eat. So I found something else to do. I helped Roy with his website. That sounded fun. It wasn't eating. wasn't ideal. Didn't really love doing it. But I was willing to say, I'm not going to bore to meet today. I'm not. I knew that food was not going to solve my boredom more than five minutes because that's about as much time as it takes me to eat a snack. Didn't need a snack. And I was just bored. If you're stressed out, this is something that is so important because your life is going to be stressful so many more times before you die. If your life life is stressful 100 times a year, 
which would be like what? I don't know. I can't do math. Every third day, you would have something stressful happen in your life. I mean, I have something stressful happen every third day. Are you going to eat every time? If you have a job that's cyclical, like me, I had like month-end clothes every month and I had payroll twice a month. Those were stressful days for me. If I eat every single time that happens, well, that's a lot of my life that I am eating when I don't want to. I got to find something else. What I did is I would put on Hulu or Netflix and I would have the office playing in the background to give me kind of something for part of my brain to listen to that entertained me a little bit, relieved a little bit of the stress. That's how I got through month end when I was an accountant. Something, anything but food, anything but food because you're going to be stressed out so much before you die. And if you don't find something different to cope with, you're never going to find control and peace and freedom from this emotional eating pattern you have. Now, transfer addiction, this is something where, this is deep because there's a reason we all choose to numb out. And if we are done numbing out with cigarettes and we're done numbing out with alcohol and now we're numbing out with food, it's time to look at why we're numbing out. What is that lack of fulfillment? What is that lack of wholeness? And this doesn't just apply to transfer addiction, but I can't tell you how many times I've had a coaching session with somebody where we talk about why, um, why they need a certain food or a lot of times this is tied to alcohol. Why do you need a glass of wine on Friday night to unwind? Well, I just look forward to it. I've had a hard day. I want a glass of wine to, wine to unwind. But you keep telling me that one glass of wine turns to two and then you don't have any self-control and then you binge eat. So that one glass of wine is costing you an entire week worth of effort. And then you're mad at yourself. So what can you do instead of drink wine? I don't know. I don't know how to unwind. I can't possibly get excited about Friday night unless I can have a glass of wine. Or like for me, it was I can't get excited about a weekend without ordering takeout. Or I can't get excited about the end of the day without a bedtime snack. I can't imagine it. That's when we have to say, what is it that we're actually doing? And we must find something to do, something that fulfills us, something that rewards us, something that makes us feel whole and complete and celebrated and relaxed or whatever it is that is not food. Now, food is not evil, but unless we look at what we're doing, why we're doing it, and find something else to use as our coping mechanism, we're going to be stuck forever. And that's no way to live. We need to be living our lives. Food is a tool to keep us alive. It's fuel. And when we are stuck in these patterns, now food is, we are slaves to food, to food settings, to food taste, to food flavors. We are slaves If you are an emotional eater, you are a slave to an inanimate object. And the only way to be free is to look at this honestly and say, what do I want? Do I want freedom? Am I willing to dig in and address these patterns, find a new solution, implement it, and persist until I can say, I am free. I am free. It's exhilarating. It's exhilarating. Who doesn't want freedom? Unfortunately, it's not just a once and done. You can't like make a little journal page about this, deal with it, walk away. Deep grooves happen in our brains and our emotions that we have to be intentional about breaking. I did a podcast earlier this week just as a way to talk about my new program called Freedom. Um, I did not intend to do this as the same thing. I'm intending to help you, to give you some food for thought. But if you are interested in working with me in the Freedom Program, it starts in September. This is what we're going to talk about. This is going to be the heart and soul of it. And we're going to have 90-minute group calls where we get to talk about it. You can hear from each other. You can share. This is something that you are not alone. This is the most common thing that is happening with food with people. And like I said, we are pawns. We are pawns in a marketing game. We are pawns in a big money game. I don't want to be a pawn. I want to choose foods that serve me. I want to choose to live a life where I have energy, health, and vitality. And the only way I can do that is if I address 
these emotional eating patterns I'm addicted to and take my life back. And it's possible. There's tons of people who can do this, who are doing this, who are living this way. It's just hard when we tell ourselves it's hard because we've tried and failed a billion times or we've seen people try and fail, lose weight, regain weight. And then we're getting all these messages of like, I guess I'd rather be fat and have fun. You can have fun and be in a fit body. You can be stressed out and not eat because of it. You can be sad and not respond with cake. You can be stronger than all of the poles around you with food. You can. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. If you want it, you can have it. I hope something here resonated with you and you got something out of this. Please reach out to me if I can be of service. If you want to be a part of the program, please reach out to me. I would love to talk to you and see if it's a fit for you. See if it's something you want to jump into. Start September 7th. It goes all the way through the end of the year. It's going to be intense. It's going to be powerful in your life. I'm not taking everyone. I only can have people in this group that are willing to sit with uncomfortable feelings because excuses keep us stuck. Lies about what we're doing keep us stuck. And I don't want anybody to come to this program and listen to other people's lies and excuses because that will make them grab their own lies and excuses. I need all the people in this program to be willing to be honest with themselves and each other to address this and find freedom. It's so worth it. And with that, that's all I have for you today. (laughs) Thanks for hanging with me and I'm awfully sassy today. But um, hopefully you got something of value here today. And if you did, please share it with a friend and uh, let me know if you tried these protein ideas. I'm excited to find out if you like good culture cottage cheese as much as me. I mean, really, I, I want to have like a good culture cottage cheese fan club. That's how passionate I am about it, which is ridiculous. But I've done more ridiculous things in my 45 years. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. If you want to interact with me, go ahead and send me an email, Kristen at kristensmithonline.com. Follow me on Instagram, The Kristen Experience, and make sure you share this podcast with a friend. That's all I have for you today. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next time here on Destination Begin.